Hi everyone, welcome back to Can't Stop, Won't Stop, where we can't stop and we won't stop being warriors fighting for justice. I'm your host, Lindsay Ann. Last week I gave you a quick update on both Egypt Covington and Tanner Barton, and I touched on the obstacles that grieving families face. This week, I'm going to walk you through our two and a half days of my sister-in-law's-to-be preliminary exam. Are you ready? Let's do this! Okay, so it's going to be very difficult for me, but I'm going to have to try to refrain from my sarcasm and commentary this week. At the time of this recording, Egypt Covington's murder case is currently open and still being investigated. Everything you hear in this episode is public record. I'm going to leave out the court formalities throughout the episode, but please know that every witness was sworn in and everyone rose for the judge each day. I'm going to do my best to give you the clearest, most concise, and understandable summary of the two and a half days in court seeing the guys that allegedly were involved in shooting and killing my sister-in-law-to-be, Egypt Covington, in her own home. Day one. In the courtroom were the following. Christina Joseph, on behalf of and seated next to Timothy Moore. David Goldstein, on behalf of and seated next to Shandon Groom, also known as Chico. Coral Watt, on behalf of and seated next to Shane Evans. Victoria Shackelford, on behalf of the people. Sergeant Detective James Plummer, Attorney Rachel McDuffie, and Judge Tina Green. The first witness called to the stand was Arthur Richardson. He is Defendant Shandon Groom's longtime childhood friend and was incarcerated at the time of Egypt's death. He was asked by the prosecution about the truck he drove to the courthouse on the day he was arrested and shown pictures of a truck. He responded with, quote, kind of looks like my truck and could be my truck, end quote. On June 7th, 2017, this guy showed up to the Toledo Municipal Court with his friend Chico, Shandon's more commonly used name, just in case he was to be incarcerated. You guys, he said he always brings someone just in case he gets locked up. What the fuck? Don't do shitty things and then you'll never have to face the possibility of getting locked up. You're welcome for the tip. Okay, so I guess I'll be a little sarcastic sometimes, but I'm going to hold way back, I promise. It was then confirmed that Arthur Richardson was booked in the Toledo jail on June 7, 2017 and released on November 14, 2017. The date of Egypt Covington's murder is June 22nd, 2017. Good thing he brought his boy Shandon because as he was getting put in cuffs, officers gave his keys to his truck to Shandon that also had Arthur's phone in it. Arthur Richardson confirmed his phone number ended in 4931 and that Shandon Groom lived on Bancroft. This will all come into play as we move forward. Arthur testified to only hearing of Tim Moore and that Tim was dating Shandon's cousin, Felicia Dillard. He testified that Shandon was with Charmaine Johnson living in an apartment on Bancroft. Arthur also confirmed that his brother, Arthur Greenlee, yes, his brother has the same name as him, is the one registered to the blue Dodge Ram he was driving. Defense counsel Goldstein cross-examines with questions regarding Arthur's relationship to his client, Shandon Groom. Arthur testified that they were like brothers and that Shandon never talked about this case with him. 
When Arthur got out of jail on November 14, 2017, his car was parked on Bloom Street in Toledo, which was one of his rental properties, and the engine was blown. Next witness called was Antiana Joshaway. Antiana is the mother of Arthur Richardson's kids, and they've been together on and off for about 11 years. She confirmed Arthur was in jail in 2017, and she confirmed his phone number ended in 4931. Antiana testified that Tim and Shandon are cousins, and Shandon and Arthur are good friends. Shandon was the one who called her when Arthur went to jail, and that he was the one who had Arthur's truck and phone. When Arthur got out of jail, Shandon gave him his phone in his truck that was parked on Bloom Street. Next witness was Danielle Moss. Danielle and Timothy Moore have kids together and seem to be dating currently. She testified that Shane is Tim's brother and Shandon is Tim's cousin. Danielle told prosecution that Shane Evans lived in Belleville on Judd Road with his father, Cecil. She and Tim would visit there frequently. Tim gave tattoos at Nicole Dillard's house in Toledo off of Door Street and that Timothy was dating Felicia Dillard at one point. She testified that Nicole and Felicia are related. Danielle began dating Tim in February 2017 and was just getting to know Shandon. Shandon was married to Charmaine, and Tim did not have a residence at that time. During the cross-examination, Danielle testified that Tim stayed at Nicole Dillard's house a few times in 2017. Defense counsel Joseph asked her about a car accident on June 12, 2017 that Tim and Shane were involved in. Danielle testified that Tim had a neck brace, injured shoulder and ribs, and that he was in the hospital. She saw him a lot after the accident, and he seemed to be in a lot of pain. Danielle testified that Tim never mentioned a murder, never mentioned a robbery gone bad, never mentioned stealing from anybody, never mentioned anything about murdering Miss Covington, and never overheard him talk about it. On June 5th, 2017, Tim's twin daughters were born. Danielle is not their mother. His girls had health complications and were in the hospital until the end of July 2017. Defense counsel Watt asked Danielle a few questions about the car accident that her client was involved in with Tim Moore. She testified that Shane and Tim shared a room in the hospital and that Shane's injuries seemed pretty serious. As for the redirect, Prosecutor Shackelford asked about the injuries. Danielle testified that she picked Tim up from the hospital and that he left before being released from the doctors. Danielle said that she thought Shane Evans was playing hurt for a lawsuit, and Defense Counsel Watt confirmed that Danielle does not have medical training to diagnose. Fourth witness called was Nicole Dillard. Felicia Dillard, who was dating Tim at some point, is Nicole's cousin. Shandon Groom is Nicole's nephew. Nicole confirmed that Shandon was married to Charmaine Johnson in 2017, and they lived on Bancroft. Nicole's testimony is that on June 22, 2017, she got home from work around 4 p.m., and when she got there, Shandon, Timothy, Patricia, Jennifer and Lavinia were all there, and Tim was giving tattoos in her garage. Nicole asked them to leave when it was getting dark, and Shandon and Tim left her house together. Her sisters left too, and she went to sleep. During cross, defense counsel Joseph confirmed that Nicole did not see anyone get in their cars. Nicole also testified that Tim Moore had never stayed at her house in 2017. Defense counsel Goldstein confirmed that she had no idea where they went after they left her house and that she had never heard any conversations about a robbery. So you guys, Arthur Richardson, Antiana Joshua, Danielle Moss, and Nicole Dillard were the first four witnesses called to the stand. 
They are the only witnesses called during the preliminary exam that knew or heard of each one of them. Timothy Moore, Shane Evans, and Shandon Groom. They were all dismissed then to go back to the Toledo area. Next witness called was Lindsay Briley. FYI, after she was sworn in, she asked the prosecutor for a water and even told her where she can go get the water for her. (sighs) Now that she's no longer parched, let's begin. Lindsay met Egypt in sixth grade and were friends in 2017. On June 22, 2017, she testified that she and Egypt went to yoga at a studio in Canton near Canton Center and Ford Road. Class ended around 8.45 p.m. and Lindsay and Egypt left around 9 p.m. and she didn't speak with Egypt at all after that. Lindsay confirmed that Egypt lived on Hall Road on the left side of a duplex and that Egypt did, in fact, have Christmas lights around her back door. She testified that Egypt's neighbors in the duplex were Megan Kopic and Stephen Edwards. Lindsay went to Megan and Steve's side of the duplex on June 24, 2017, to let their dogs out. Inside their apartment, Lindsay testified to them having three or four five-gallon Home Depot buckets of shaky marijuana. During cross, defense counsel Joseph confirmed with Lindsay that nothing was locked or out of place when she went there on the 24th and that the shake marijuana was still there. Lindsay said that at the time of her death, Egypt only had issues with Kenny, her ex-boyfriend. Miss Joseph went on to talk about how Kenny took care of Egypt's dog, Ruby, and knew the key code and helped her car payments and that he punched holes in her walls. The next witness on the first day was Caitlin Covington Cree. Caitlin and Egypt have the same father, and she has known Egypt since she was 15 years old. Caitlin testified in court that she had never witnessed a fight between Egypt and Kenny, and that she never saw a fight or argument between Egypt and Kenny. Caitlin provided the local police a screenshot of a Snapchat from Egypt's account on June 22, 2017. The screenshot was taken on June 23, 2017 at 9.12 p.m., just hours after Egypt was found. You can see in the screenshot that it states Egypt posted it 22 hours ago. The Snapchat was a picture of Egypt watching a movie, and she typed, quote, I effing love this movie, end quote. Caitlin confirmed Egypt's personal phone number ended in 7090. Defense counsel Joseph confirmed that the Snapchat saying 22 hours ago could really mean 22 hours and 59 minutes ago. Next witness, Officer Agent David Face. He is a parole agent for Michigan Office of Correction in Lenawee County. Timothy Moore was his parolee beginning on November 22, 2016, and was discharged on September 4, 2018. Agent Face testified to four phone numbers provided to him from Timothy, one of which ended in 8723. This is the number that Agent Face and Tim communicated on from January 19, 2017 until June 2, 2017, which is when Tim reported a new residence and a new number. Next witness called to the stand was Stephen Edwards. He lived with Egypt in the duplex next to hers. On Wednesday, June 21, 2017, Steve and Megan Kopic left to go to Electric Forest Music Festival. Egypt had gone with them previous years but decided not to go in 2017. It was not a secret that Steve and Megan were going to be gone, and they even posted tickets for sale on Facebook. Steve Edwards used A&J Lawn Care in 2017. His best friend, Antoine Jordan, and another friend, Johnny Warren, owned the lawn care business. On the day Steve and Megan were packing the car to go out of town for four or five days, A&J Lawn Service was there cutting the grass at the duplex. One of the employees of A&J Lawn Care was Shane Evans, and he would typically cut his lawn. 
Steve testified to being friends with Antoine and Johnny, but not with Shane. He said that Antoine and Johnny have been in his house, but never Shane, and that he's never smoked weed with Shane Evans that he knows of. He also stated that most of the time the doors are unlocked. Egypt was going to take care of their dogs while Steve and Megan were gone, and the interior doors remained open, usually to travel back and forth between homes. Ruby and their dogs had free reign to roam the entire house, both duplexes. Prosecution then started asking Steve Edwards about marijuana. Steve said he was a marijuana caregiver in 2017 and that he was licensed with the state. He testified that he had patients and did not grow marijuana in his home. He testified that there was marijuana in his home on June 22, 2017, but there was about three ounces of smokable marijuana in his cupboard, and he allowed family and friends in his home, and that they all knew where to find the marijuana in the cupboard. In early 2017, Steve stated that some extract to make edibles came up missing from his house. And he also confirmed that the last time he saw the Christmas lights in Egypt's house was on June 20th or the 21st of 2017. During cross-examination, defense counsel Joseph asked Steve questions about Egypt's ex-boyfriend, Kenny. He testified that he thought it was Kenny because of the questions from the local police department and that he seemed to be an angry boyfriend. Steve testified that Kenny pulled a gun out years prior at his mother's house, that Kenny and Egypt got in a fight at the Strawberry Festival, that Kenny got Egypt car insurance, and he said that Kenny watched Ruby a lot and had the code to the door. Steve agreed to saying, quote, Mr. Evans is like a paperclip to Miss Covington, end quote, and that Egypt is a strong woman. When he left for Electric Forest, they left a TV on, a light on, and a car in the driveway to look like someone was home. When they returned, nothing was taken or out of place. Steve testified under oath that he did not grow any sort of marijuana in his home in 2017 and that he did not regularly sell marijuana out of his home to people. He had a marijuana grow operation elsewhere in 2017, and Shane Evans cut the grass there as well. Defense counsel Watt brought up the car accident and confirmed that Steve saw Shane using a cane sometime in the summer of 2017. Steve also testified that Johnny Warren for sure was at his house when they were packing up, but not sure who else was with him that day. Steve also testified that he had seen Tim Moore with Shane Evans at his father's house on Judd Road and that he had seen him more than once. Now listen to this. Steve Edwards testified that Egypt's dog Ruby is a Pomeranian small dog. I have to say something. Keep in mind, Steve Edwards breeds dogs lived with Egypt and Ruby for five to six years. Ruby is an adorable and sweet pug chihuahua, Steve. You're welcome. The ninth witness of the day was Curtis Meadows. In 2017, Egypt was his girlfriend. They started dating in April 2017, and he did not know Kenny. Curtis confirmed that Egypt lived next door to Steve Edwards and that he was not familiar with him. He also confirmed that Egypt's personal phone number ended in 7090, and he testified to providing a picture of Egypt looking at her personal phone in May of 2017. The last time Curtis saw Egypt was the morning of the 22nd. They parted ways for work and texted throughout the day. The last text was a little after 10 p.m. when Egypt said, Sweet dreams. The next morning on the 23rd, Curtis tried communicating with Egypt but never heard back, texting and calling all day with no response. After work and taking his daughter to dinner, Curtis went to Egypt's house and noticed the exterior door wide open and her apartment door cracked open. He screamed her name and Ruby yelped, greeted him, and turned away to Egypt. Egypt was not responsive. He saw blood. She was tied with lights 
he ran out to his phone, called 911, and stayed on the scene. Cross-examination recounted some of the events on the 23rd, and also defense counsel Watt brought up a time when Kenny showed up in the parking lot of Curtis's residence, looked at Egypt's car, then got in his vehicle and left. Next witness was Sergeant Craig McDonald. He is a sergeant detective for Michigan State Police, and he testified to interviewing Nicole Dillard at a home on Door Street. Defense counsels Joseph and Watt confirmed that Michigan State Police initiated contact with the FBI and that MSP provided a time frame they were focused on. Next on the stand, Officer Michael Rinney. He is a sergeant at Van Buren Township Police Department. In 2017, Officer Rinney was a patrol officer and called to the crime scene around 7.40 or 7.45 p.m., and he isn't sure if he was alone or training someone that night. Rinney is a certified evidence technician and was called there specifically to collect evidence. He testified to following procedure and protocol. He collected several items while wearing gloves, including strands of lights, empty shell case, small amount of marijuana, a smoking pipe, couch cushion, a phone and charger, and multiple other items. He testified that everything was packaged according to protocol. Defense counsel Joseph's turn, and she questioned Officer Rinney about training someone that night, and would it be in the records? He explained to Joseph that if he was training someone, it would not be stated in the report because the trainee would not have been involved in a situation like this. Miss Joseph kept pushing this topic, and she and Officer Rinney ended up getting a little snappy, in my opinion. Subject changed, and Officer Rinney explained protocol for packing the Christmas lights found on Egypt's wrists. She then asked about his experience as an evidence tech at Van Buren Township Police Department. He testified to becoming a tech in 2013, and between 2013 and 2017, he had about 30 to 50 cases. He also said he'd have to check the records to see if that was his first homicide case as an evidence technician. Okay, you guys, remember when I told you Arthur Richardson's truck and phone would come into play later? Well, now is when things start pulling together. Arthur is the guy that went to jail on June 7, 2017, and Shandon Groom took his truck and phone. The last witness of day one was Sergeant Sean Street, and he has been a detective with Michigan State Police for 10 years. He testified that he is almost the co-officer in charge on this case. Sergeant Street testified to viewing video footage from Sitgo Gas Station on the corner of Sumter and Hall Road. Here is his discovery. At 11.40 p.m., a pickup truck coming from Sumter Road from the south turned west onto Hall Road following a Chrysler 300. At 11.43 p.m., a blue pickup truck enters from Hall Road into a parking space, does a three-point turn, and exited back to Hall Road towards Egypt's house. At 11.49 p.m., that same truck came from Egypt's direction and turned south on Sumter Road. Shane Evans' house is on Judd Road, which is the direction the truck originally came from and also left toward. The Chrysler 300 was not seen on the video footage after the 11.40 p.m. mark. Prosecutor Shackelford then asked Sergeant Street to explain how he figured out that truck was Arthur Richardson's truck. Here we go. The truck was a Dodge Ram 1500 with a pointed headlight at the top right. They stopped making rounded headlamps in 2006 and went to pointed in 2007 and 2008 and some in 2006. The truck was a Hemi and said Ram 1500 on the door. Sergeant Street was able to determine that the color code of the truck was Electric Blue Pearl, which was only manufactured in 2007 and 2008. This truck had a chrome bumper for the front and back. It had upgraded rims, four-door, and badging on the tailgate that said 4x4. So, 
Sergeant Street was looking for an 07 or 08 four-wheel drive electric blue pearl Dodge Ram 1500 Hemi. He was also able to determine that the fog lamp was out on the driver's side and there was a license plate mounted on the front, which in Ohio that is necessary to operate a vehicle and it's not common in Michigan. Also noted was a red emblem on the plate like an Ohio plate. Sergeant Street located a vehicle similar, but not a match for multiple reasons. The next vehicle was registered to Arthur Greenlee and was seized and taken to Michigan. Arthur Richardson told MSP where to find the truck, you know, his brother with the same name. This truck matched everything from the surveillance video, even down to the brake light being inoperable in 2017 and 2020 when it was seized. Prosecution then confirmed that Sergeant Street investigated Shane Evans on December 16, 2020. Defense counsel Watt had some questions about Shane's interrogation, and it was confirmed the next day that Shane initialed his Miranda rights himself and verbally answered questions rather than writing them. Prosecution then brought up geofence and how it works. You guys, I'm not going to go into all of that technical stuff in this episode. If you want to get smarter, you can watch all of this on YouTube at the 34th District Court. By using the geofence grid, Michigan State Police was able to pin Arthur Richardson's cellular device at the crime scene from 11.45 to 11.49 p.m. on June 22, 2017. <sighs> and that was day one. But let's keep going. Day two began with Sergeant Sean Street back on the stand. They got right to it, and Miss Shackelford confirmed that Sean Street conducted the interrogation on Shandon Groom on December 2nd, 2020, with Detective James Plummer. Defense counsel Joseph stated that at 11.40 p.m., a truck went down Hall Road, and we don't know where the truck went, right? So in six minutes, it's back. So the truck in eight minutes drove down Hall, back to the gas station, back to Hall, and in six minutes, parks car, gets out of car, walks to front door, figures out how to get in the front door, gets to Miss Covington's door, figures out how to deal with the key code issues, gets into home, walks through the kitchen area into the living room, rips off some lights off of a curtain rod, ties up Miss Covington, shoots her in the head with a pillow over her head, and then doesn't take anything, but leaves and then drives back down Hall Road. All that happens in your theory in under eight minutes, right? Sergeant Street replied, Yeah. You just described it in about a minute and a half. He also confirmed that he did not look into any other vehicles driving down Hall in that time frame. Defense counsel Goldstein asked about the process to narrow down the truck and confirmed that Street could not see who was in the truck. During redirect, Street explained that they focused on the blue truck because of the pings. At 11.43 p.m., Arthur's phone pings at the gas station. At 11.43 p.m., the blue truck is seen on video surveillance at the gas station. At 11.45 p.m., Arthur's phone pings at Egypt's house. At 11.49 p.m., Arthur's phone pings at the gas station. And at 11.49 p.m., the blue truck is seen on video from the gas station. Okay, now the next witness was on the stand for a very long time, and I'm going to super reduce his testimony in order to keep your attention. This guy is brilliant, and I am so much smarter after watching his testimony. The 13th witness was Special Agent Neil Gavin. He has worked for the FBI for 17 years with a specialty in cellular analysis. The four accounts that Special Agent Gavin identified are Egypt's personal phone ending in 7090, Timothy Moore's phone ending in 8723, Arthur Richardson's phone ending in 4931, and 
Arthur Richardson's Google account. You guys, please keep in mind that it is alleged that Shannon Groom was the one using Arthur Richardson's device at the time of the homicide. After extensive data configuration, this is what he discovered. Let's start with Egypt's phone, ending in 7090. June 22, 2017. 622 to 9.07 p.m. Her phone pings at a cellular tower just off Canton Setter Road in Canton, right near the yoga studio. 9.13 p.m., just off of I-94. 9.16 to 9.21 p.m., just north of the crime scene. And 9.22 p.m. to 11.11 p.m., inside the crime scene. Now let's switch to Arthur's phone, ending in 4931, June 22, 2017, 10.34 p.m. north of Toledo, 10.44 p.m. north along I-75, 11.08 to 11.09 p.m. just off of I-275, 11.10 p.m south of the crime scene on Judd Road. Okay, now I'm going to start using the phone numbers. So you guys, please keep in mind that 7090 is Egypt's personal phone. 4931 is Arthur's device and Google account. And 8723 is Tim Moore's. June 22, 2017, 11.10 to 11.34 p.m. 4931 is at the home on Judd Road. 11.35 p.m., 8.723 at the home on Judd Road. 11.37 p.m., 4931 moving north along Sumter Road toward the crime scene. 11.38 p.m., 8723, just east of Rossonville Road, which is indicative of movement. 1139 p.m., 4931, moving north along Sumter. And 1140 p.m., 8723, near the crime scene. 1145 to 1147 p.m., 4931, in the crime scene. 11.47 to 11.49 p.m., 4.931, outside of the crime scene. 11.49 p.m., 7.090. This one is Egypt's phone, you guys. Pings just north of the crime scene. 11.51 to 11.53 p.m., 4.931, is moving south along Sumter Road towards Judd. 11.54 to 11.55 p.m., both 4931 and 8723 ping at Shane Evans' residence on Judd Road. 11.51 to 11.57 p.m., 7090, Egypt's phone, pings at Shane's home on Judd Road. 11.59 p.m., 7090, Egypt's personal phone, is east of I-275 and south of South Huron Road. June 23, 2017, 12.01 a.m., 4931, just west of 275 near South Huron Road. 12.11 a.m., 4931, traveling down 75, 1217 AM, both 8723 and 4931, just off of I-75, 107 AM, 4931, just west of downtown Toledo, and from 109 to 303 AM, 4931 was at Bancroft Street in Toledo, 303 AM, 8723 pings at Bancroft Street in Toledo. 
And you guys, at 4.59 a.m., the number ending in 7090, which is Egypt's personal phone, last had any connection at that same location off of I-275 and South Huron Road. Please feel free to re-listen to that, and it may even help to take some notes. It is astounding what our technology capabilities are. The final piece of data that Special Agent Gavin shared was Google location records for the 4931 number. He found that from January 1st, 2017 to June 7th, 2017, the day Arthur Richardson went to jail, the most frequent location was 14th Street, where Arthur Richardson resides. It showed 21% usage at the home on 14th Street and only 2% usage at the home on Bancroft, where Shandon Groom resided. However, from June 8th, 2017 to August 31st, 2017, while Arthur was in jail and Shandon allegedly had his truck and phone, it then showed just 2% usage at 14th Street and increased to 37% usage at the home on Bancroft. There was a lot of questions by the defense counsel and some redirect, but I'm not going to go into that. Next to the stand was Derek Jordan. He is a detective sergeant for Michigan State Police for 26 years. Detective Jordan conducted an interrogation on Shane Evans around 6 p.m. on December 16, 2020. The interrogation lasted for about six hours, including breaks for food, water, bathroom, and meds. Shane did tell Detective Jordan that he had done some cocaine prior to his arrest, but you guys keep in mind he was arrested at 6 a.m. that morning, so we are now at least 12 hours later. We then heard about 30 to 40 minutes of Shane's six-hour interrogation. I will break it down for you. Shane said that Chico, also known as Shandon, his brother Timmy, and some other dude showed up to his house on Judd Road and wanted some weed. He knew that his man was out of town and his house was empty. They followed him in the car, those three in the truck. He pointed at the right house and kept going. A few days later, he saw on the news that Egypt was found dead in the house. And he said, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> he went on to say that they sell weed there. Everybody in the neighborhood grabs weed from him. Everybody on Judd Road buys weed from the white guy, Steve. He knew he was gone to Electric Forest and knew the house was empty. Before they left his house on Judd Road, he explained to go in the main door, then to the door on the right. He pointed out her house and told them that's the right one, and he continued on to his girl's house. About 10 to 15 minutes later, Shane got a text from his brother, Tim, that said, quote, wrong door, end quote. Later that evening, Shane replied, quote, go to the right door, end quote. To which Tim responded with, quote, oops, end quote. Shane said that Tim did not tell him anything about the crime. He tried to, but Shane didn't want to hear it. He said he saw it on the news. He thought, I hope he didn't do no fucking shit like this. And he thought, these guys are fucked. His brother went to the wrong house. Shane said he knew 100% nobody was at the other house. He went to the wrong door. Shane went on to say that Steve is the weed man, selling before weed got legal. Shane knows a lot of friends that buy from him, and Steve knows Shane from Cutting Grass. Steve gets his long cut whenever Steve calls. It's VIP treatment for Steve, he said. No one gets that. Shane then added that there is a third owner of A&J Lawn Care, Juan, who Shane calls uncle. Shane also stated that Steve leaves his door unlocked all the time and his friends go in and drop money off all the time when he's not there. He said the door is always unlocked. That's how he rolls.
The next witness called was Benjamin Harless. He is a detective for Dearborn Police Department and specializes in forensic video analysis. And he just quickly talked about how he enhanced the video surveillance from the Sitco gas station to help Michigan State Police. The next witness was Kenneth Dandy. He is the Van Buren Township Police Department's IT guy. He is the one that extracted the video from Sitco on June 26, 2017, around 9 a.m., He also retrieved video from Cocoa Beach Tanning and Geyser Automotive. The camera at the fire station at the opposite corner of the Sitco gas station was non-functioning at that time. Next witness was called via Zoom. Detective Chang, a detective trooper for Michigan State Police. She gathered information from the Sitco video and specifically focused on the time calibration. She found that the video time is three seconds slower than real time. The 17th witness was Detective Nicholas Amador, and due to a stipulation with defense counsel, it was requested that court have a closed session under 8116. This witness is specific to defendant Timothy Moore and was stipulated by Ms. Joseph. Okay, the final witness of the preliminary exam was James Plummer. He is a sergeant detective from Michigan State Police, and he is the officer in charge of this case. Plummer was asked to review this case in July 2020 and took it over in August 2020. He explained the geofence search warrant three-step process, which is to, one, create a four-point box around Egypt's house and the Judd Rowe house, for Google to reply with devices found in the time frame requested. Two, Michigan State Police replies back with which device they want more identification on. And three, Michigan State Police receives subscriber and account information for each device requested. They found a device registered to Keisha Johnson outside the Judd Road home. Keisha Johnson's mother is registered to the Chrysler 300 that led the truck to Egypt's house. Plummer testified to finding two Google searches he deemed relevant on the 4931 account. One was around noon on June 22, 2017. And you guys, it was a marijuana forum titled, How to Turn Shake into Bud. And the other was searched around noon the next day on June 23rd, 2017. And this one was a USA Today article titled, The Ones That Got Away. And it's about how to escape custody by crossing state lines. Prosecution then asked Sergeant Plummer about a search warrant on one of Timothy Moore's Facebook accounts. Plummer was able to find four pictures of tattoos that Tim uploaded to his account on June 22, 2017 at 6.43 p.m. And one of the tattoos matches a fresh tattoo on Shandon Groom's left arm that he posted on his God Body Bobby Facebook account. Plummer also detected a picture on Timothy Moore's page that resembled him. He was showing his right side body with red marks on it. In the comments on June 14, 2017, just one day after his car accident, Tim Moore commented, quote, broke rib, that's all, end quote. MSP was able to find a couple of occasions that Tim Moore cited his phone number ending in 8723. Plummer then moved on to the Chrysler 300 that was near the crime scene. He was able to determine that it belonged to Keisha Johnson's mother and was used to point out Egypt's residence. Keisha lived in Milan, Michigan, and has since moved to Pennsylvania. She was interviewed by Plummer in Pennsylvania. During cross-examination, it was confirmed that Van Buren Township Police Department did a small geofence in July 2019, and the same numbers showed up. Miss Joseph brought up several other names as tips and wondered if they were all interrogated, to which they were not. 
She asked a lot about Egypt's ex-boyfriend, Kenny, and how evidence was handled. Miss Joseph asked about Egypt's work phone and said that a Van Buren officer accidentally erased it when they tried to use her dead finger to open it. She confirmed that the couch cushion is an MSP property, and then she brought up Egypt's brother and his significant other. That's us. She asked him if he told us that he has enough information and he doesn't want ours. Plummer replied that that's false. Goldstein and Watt had a few questions, and then Miss Shackelford redirected. She confirmed that Egypt's personal phone was never recovered, the one ending in 7090. And you guys, that was two seven-and-a-half-hour days of witness testimony. Day three was much shorter. Prosecutor Victoria Shackelford did an overview of the evidence and walked us through the hours leading up to and after the homicide. Ms. Shackelford asked that defendant Tim Moore be bound over as charged. With respect to Shandon Groom, she is asking to amend and add a charge for first-degree murder and three counts of felony firearm. And she also asked for two counts felony firearm added to Shane Evans. Miss Joseph asked for Tim Moore's case to be dismissed and no bind over. Mr. Goldstein asked for first degree charge to be removed. Miss Watt mentioned not sufficient evidence on felony firearm and also asked the court not to bind over on felony murder and home invasion first. I will leave you with the live clip of Judge Green. I believe that there's sufficient evidence for probable cause that a crime was committed and probable cause to believe that these defendants were involved in the commission of that crime. Now as to the specific bind overs, I am going to bind over Mr. Moore on, except for the count four that was dismissed by the prosecution on the remaining on the remaining seven counts on the remaining seven counts as listed in the complaint charged as to defendant groom and i will make a further finding that for the the homicide first degree for the premeditation that i believe that there's probable cause that uh, the prosecution's argument that the pillow was taken and placed over the victim's face before there was a gunshot to that pillow indeed rises to the level of a premeditation that that movement of and that action of the pillow gives a cause and pause to um, allow for probable cause that that the murder was premeditated and I'm going to bind over on that count. I'm also also going to um, add for defendant groom that count of homicide first degree and the request for the three felony uh, firearm counts for the first degree murder for the felony murder and for the home invasion as to um, defendant Evans with his own testimony I believe that it's probable cause in an issue of fact for a jury on the two counts for the felony murder and the home invasion I'm going to bind all three defendants over as indicated on the record Please, you guys, please do not forget to hug and hold your loved ones close. You never know what the day or night will bring. Something completely out of your control or even their control may happen. Believe me when I say you could be killed because someone showed up at the wrong door. Jacqueline Elizabeth Egypt Covington we love you, we cherish you, and we miss you terribly. 
It is absolutely disgusting what so many grieving families have to go through. What if this happened to your innocent child? Would you stop fighting? Would you back down? Hell no. We can't stop and we won't stop fighting until we get answers. Please take a listen to this beautiful song featuring our beloved Egypt Covington. We all miss you so much. You know, I don't know why so much pain and loss has to happen. I don't have all the answers. Only Please be sure to join our Facebook group, Can't Stop, Won't Stop, for more information, where Dwayne and I go live every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. You can also follow me on Instagram at MyLindsayAnn. A huge thank you to singer and songwriter Mr. Peace for allowing us the rights to use the song Where'd You Go featuring our loved Egypt Covington. We appreciate you. Can't wait for next week, you guys. Where'd you go? I miss